Let's just pray. Just pray for, thank you, Lord, for a generation that has picked up the baton. I thank you for Papa Ross, for his generation. I thank you for the, for the, the fathers in the faith and the grandfathers in the faith. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, help us to treat one another as precious, precious vessels, vessels of honor. And Lord, may nothing hinder the Heart of David movement. May nothing hinder youth with a mission. May nothing hinder the, the upper room movement. May nothing hinder the various streams in the body of Christ, the, the global worship and prayer, the, the global missions, the global Israel mandate. Lord, we're just honored to be alive in this hour. And I don't think you would have us all be born in this hour if you didn't also promise to help us to run hard in this hour. So have your way, even as we look into your word now from Micah, and help us to be sober-minded about both the, the greatness of your coming revival and the greatness of the coming pressure. In Jesus' name, amen. I really encourage you, get the notes, raise your hand right now if you don't have the notes. Uh, those are mostly a, a, they're a mix of things I've put in, as well as some, some from Mike Bickle in International House of Prayer, so um, I can't just totally put my name on it or his, but it's just an amalgamation. And, and I don't, yeah, there's some up here, uh, Gary, over here, there's some people needing notes. Uh, yeah, Thanks. Uh, I don't ever feel a pressure to have to go over all the notes, but I, I do that on purpose so you can take them, study them, go deeper in them. And, um, and so one of the words on my heart this year for, for the church is alignment. I believe the Lord spoke this one word in my heart in December, and there are lots of cool confirmations about it, uh, even while I was over here during a time in the prayer room studying on the word alignment and scriptures about it. Um, Suzanne, my wife, was going through my pile of stuff in the office, and, and um, I'm not that organized. I need Shannon Tyree in my life and Caitlin Prillman, wherever she is. She's back with the kids. But this word alignment, this book alignment was in this pile. I, I didn't know this was the title or the theme of this book that Asher Intrader from Jerusalem had written. So a cool confirmation. Why do I say all that? Is because whenever something is on God's heart, we can be sure that God will help us with it. He doesn't just give us this thing, alignment, and then go, go get them. He helps us, and he's helping to align our hearts, our lives, our time, our energies with his word and with his ways. He's helping us to align our focus and our thoughts and our desires and what we give ourselves to in order to prepare us for these coming days and years where difficulty is going to increase as well as great end time harvest. And Nate helped us Pastor Nate, the last two weeks, he helped us with aligning our hearts with the Scripture, with the Word of God. I have his notes from last week right here. 
because they're like an outline to help me handle God's Word correctly. If we don't have more copies out there, I encourage you to look them up online. Today I want to talk about a different kind of alignment, about aligning our hearts with God when everything in you and the world around you is bearing down on you and bringing pressure in your life. Pressure to move away from God rather than move toward Him. Aligning with, our, with God, aligning with His heart in the middle of mistreatment. That's why it's entitled Alignment During Mistreatment. Now, I'm not talking about this today because I'm mad at somebody. I'm not talking out of a wound today. And, uh, you know, I'm going to let you have it. You know who you are right now. I'm not sad about it. I'm not mad about it. But if you've been over 10 years old, you know what mistreatment's about. Right? We've all been mistreated. In fact, if you're younger than 10 years old, when you were on the playground... And they kicked you off the monkey bars or cut in line on tetherball. Anybody remember tetherball? Yes. Cutting in line in tetherball or or, uh, pushing you off the merry-go-round or doing the merry-go-round too fast. You know mistreatment. Even younger, when you're in the nursery, they take the toy, one one of them takes the toy from you. Or, heaven forbid, bites you. Mistreatment is something we all understand. We've all gone through, and maybe even today, you're in the middle of a mistreatment. I want to talk about it today because I believe the Lord wants us to be ready for the days, years, and and decades ahead because I believe mistreatment is on the rise. I believe betrayal and rejection and offense is going to continue to increase. Spiritual darkness will continue to increase. And so we need to be ready. We need to be prepared so that we don't fall into the snares of offense and bitterness and self-pity and drawing back from God. So my goals today are are threefold. I want to alert us, I want to encourage us, and I want to call us. I want to alert us to the growing crisis in our world, in our society, for the growing, escalating mistreatment. We need to be alert for that, and we also need to be alert for the great moves of God as well. But I also want to encourage us that, that we can respond in godly ways during mistreatment. And I want to call us to do business with God today, you and God today, to clear out the junk that may be in your heart where you've sinned or where you have junk in your heart toward other people, to, to to clean the slate of your heart. I want to alert us, encourage us, And call us. And I believe by God's grace we're going to be able to do this. Roman numeral one. My main text today is from the book of Micah, Micah chapter seven. Micah details man's response to the growing crisis. 
Micah is one of, just a little background, Micah is what was known as one of the 12 minor prophets in Scripture, in the Old Testament. Uh, major prophets being Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, uh, Lamentations is also noted as major prophetic writing. But then there are the 12 minor prophets. Now, Micah was a prophet in the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, where he has a lot of most of his prophecies. For 41 years, he prophesied from, uh, I think, 737 B.C. to, to 696 B.C. Um, and his prophecies were toward Jerusalem and judgment coming upon Jerusalem if they did not repent. Micah is also known as the prophet who, who prophesied where Jesus would be born, that he would be born in Bethlehem, and that's cited in Matthew. Well, Micah understood what was going on. Paragraph A, he described the spiritual crisis in his day. That society was filled with sin and betrayal. That's verses 1 through 6. And now, the wickedness and betrayal that we see Micah describing is going to increase and it will be surpassed in the generation the Lord returns. Let's look at 1 through 6. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got some dot, dot, dots there because it's kind of been edited <clears throat> for the sake of making these points. I'm not taking out Scripture. Thank you. Woe is me, Micah says. The faithful man has perished from the earth, and there's no one upright among men. Every man hunts his brother. The prince asks for gifts. The judge seeks a bribe, and the great man utters his evil desire. So they scheme together, for son dishonors father, daughter rises against her mother, a man's enemies are the men of his own household. According to Micah, let me, if you can put that back up there, if, when you read that, it's, sometimes you have to look at Scripture and understand what was Micah saying. He wasn't saying that every single faithful man has perished from the earth because actually Isaiah was a contemporary of Micah. So it's not like everybody's lost it, okay? What he, he kind of fills us in on what's happening. It's leaders in government and leaders in the public arena are giving into financial greed and pressure and fitting in with the, the culture of the time. And Micah seems to draw a link. If you see there, the judge seeks a bribe, financial. The prince asks for gifts. So Micah seems to be connecting these two ideas of financial greed with betraying people, with rejection with mistreatment to where it even touches notice there sons and fathers daughters against mothers it even goes to mistreatment not just from unbelievers but from sometimes our very own family sometimes the body of Christ now Jesus in Mark 13 he quotes these passages in Micah 7. So paragraph B, 
Jesus said the mistreatment will increase in the years and decades before his return. And he's quoting what Micah's saying. He's bringing it right up to today and the decades and the generations before the Lord returns. He's connecting the social crisis in the end times. And notice what Jesus does. He adds a thing there that the the betrayal is going to be identified in relationship to standing up for Jesus Christ. Okay, if you could put it, yeah. The gospel, we know this is the end times Jesus is talking about because he says the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Then he quotes Micah. Brother brother will betray brother. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And so... The only time in history when this is going to happen, where the gospel is preached to all nations, is right before the Lord returns. But he does identify the gospel and then the betrayal right next to each other. Now, I can't say for sure how all this is going to happen, but Jesus said it will. So we need to be ready. One scenario is actually happening today over in China. Right now in Western China, with with technology exploding, with uh, facial recognition technology, with artificial intelligence increasing, which basically artificial intelligence is computers teaching other computers. And so what's happened In 2018, in the western part of China, is they have installed 200 million cameras every 100 yards. And with facial recognition and the abilities of artificial intelligence, they're able to track people's movements throughout the day, where they're going, what they're doing, and they know who you are because of the facial recognition technology. In this year, 2019, by the end of the year, they plan to install 400 um, million more. Did I say 200,000? 200 million is going to be up to 600 million cameras, little cameras installed everywhere. And they, they're doing it because of what, what they, they think it's going to, their desire is to improve society. You know, if you go... And, and rake someone's leaves, that's a plus on your account. If you're nice to your neighbor, if you do this and you do some nice things. And so what they want to do, and they're excited about this, it's called a social credit score. And everyone starts out the year with an 800. And if you do good things, you get discounts. You get, uh, you get freedom of movement. You get an apartment's easier to get and airplane flights easier. But if your social credit score goes down, then you're limited. You can't get an apartment. You can't get certain jobs. You can't <clears throat> do certain things. So they're, they're, their motive is to improve society. But what's happening in the church is also right now there's been persecution about for Christians standing up for the gospel in China. Christian leaders are being arrested. They're being tortured at different times. They're, and so there's pressure. And so when you're 
following another God other than the government, that's when these things start to take a negative turn. And so you say, let's say your brother is an on-fire Christian and you're not so much. Well, the, the government, just a possible scenario, the government says, hey, you need to tell your on-fire Christian brother to tone it down. You need to tell us a little more information about these meetings he's going to. Well, I don't care. I'm not, you know, I'm not him. They're like, yeah, but if you don't tell us, you start to have a low credit score. It becomes guilt by association. And so then pressure gets put on the brother. And so brother betrays brother for financial reasons. I want to be able to go to college. I want my kids to go to college. Oh, I better cooperate with the government. Now, I don't see that. I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom guy this morning on what all is going to happen detail-wise. But can you imagine this technology falling into the hands of nations that do not believe in civil liberties? The things Micah talks about in Micah 7 and the warnings Jesus gives are very real. They're happening now to a degree. <clears throat> and so that's how brother and can go against brother. <clears throat> and we can start to see betrayal in families. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but the truth is many times mistreatment from a family member can be some of the deepest wounds you can ever feel. There's a, there's a man from China, if you don't mind showing the picture of Brother Yoon, He's a, um, he in the early 2000s, he wrote a book called The Heavenly Man. He was in uh, prison in China, imprisoned for his faith in Jesus, and they, was, they broke his feet. They did all kinds of torture to him. And when he, when he uh, got, it's a book about how God supernaturally delivered him, and he went forth and he shared the gospel. He was traveling around and and, um, but there was like an uprising against him by many. Many people said, oh, this is, he's, you know, this is the real thing, which I believe it was. But others said, oh, he's just faking it. He's just doing that to sell books or to whatever. And he said, um, he said this, he said, the pain and suffering I endured at the hands of my uh, captors in prison did not compare to the pain and the, of the mistreatment of those in the body of Christ. Alignment during mistreatment. If mistreatment is going to come to us, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to allow it to swallow us up with self-pity, with anger, with turning away from God? Or are we going to look at the mistreatment as an opportunity to grow in our love for Jesus, to grow in our humility? Paul Wyatt, I wrote this in your notes. Paul Wyatt, one of our elders, he's um, out of town today. But he said this in a message a while back. He said, uh, disappointment, and he, it's in your notes, D-I-S appointment. And he said, when, you, when disappointment comes to me, 
Do I see appointment? D-I-S. Do I see appointment with greatness with God in the midst of disappointment coming? Do I see it? I believe the Lord can help us to see the appointments with greatness, that we can, our heart can grow, our character can grow. And you know what else happens? When you, when you take, when disappointment comes at you and you see the appointment and you respond in a right way to that, you begin to grow in love. You begin to grow in humility and in gratitude and in thankfulness. And, and folks, that's what we carry with us into the eternal kingdom. Is our time on earth, did we learn to love? Did we grow in love and humility? So when the mistreatment comes, if I respond in a godly way, I can be great in the kingdom of eternity. Now, I'm not talking about you strut around, look at me. You're great because you will see on his face the pleasure and the delight he has in you because of your responses to him. Those are the rewards in heaven is his expression to you. You didn't leave me during that mistreatment. You loved instead of gave way to hate. And so I, I believe the Lord wants to help us with this. Let's look at Roman numeral 2. I believe it says Roman numeral 2, uh, four responses. There are, there are more responses in Micah 7, but for the time today, I'm going to look at four of them. Four responses during mistreatment. And uh, I wrote in your notes there, these four responses are never going to be easier than they are today. Because the darkness is getting darker. Mistreatment's going to get higher and higher and, and more intense. And so in Jeremiah 12, verse 5, it says, If you run with the footmen and they get you tired, how are you going to be able to run or contend with the horses? So that's a verse, that's a fear of the Lord verse for me. If I can't hack it now, if I'm easily knocked over by junk now, that's, I, if I can't keep up with the people running, how am I going to keep up with the horses? So, you know, get, me, get a hold of my heart now, Lord. Help me to do these four things now. And remember I said, if he gives a word like alignment, he's going to help us. So help us with these things. The first thing to do when there's mistreatment, the first response is to look to the Lord and pray and wait on him to act, to fulfill his promises. The Lord's given us promises. We're in a time delay. Mistreatment's coming. Are we looking to the Lord? That's the first response. And that's easy for me to preach right now. Oh, look to the Lord. Easy for me to say. Easy for me to preach. Easy for a worship team to sing it. I will look to you, you know. And then on Tuesday afternoon, when the mistreatment comes, it's not the most natural response, even for a believer. Our natural response 
when mistreatment comes is to be preoccupied with the person who mistreated us. To, to talk about them, to think about them, to, to have that be what we kind of let stick in our crawl. That's our natural response. Look what Micah says. He says, Micah 7, verse 7, Therefore, meaning in light of the betrayal, so Micah was experiencing this, because he says, I, therefore, I will look to the Lord. You know, we read the verse six, the first six verses, so now he's saying, therefore, I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to wait for the God of my salvation. So that's what we are to do at first, is when the mistreatment comes, we, we do what Micah says, I'm going to look to the Lord. Don't look, you know, some of us think, sometimes we think the answer is to, uh, is to like I said, look at them and respond in a fleshly way. But when you look to Jesus, instead, when you feel injustice is coming at you, look to Jesus to be your source of justice, to be your source of safety and peace. You know, the song Defender. I'm looking to you. You are my defender. Other people think the answer lies with the government. I'm excited Nicole's here today. She's, she helps with, with, with Christians making a difference in our government. And I'm not just giving this as a suggestion. Oh, we should, we should use you know, our legal means, of course. We should use our legal means to help affect and change government. In fact, it's more than just a suggestion. We're commanded to through prayer and through voting and through other means. But the government is not our source, ultimately, of the church becoming the spotless bride of Christ. The government is not going to be the source of end-time revival. Jesus is. So when we see what the, what's going on in the government, we see failed policies, we see, it, we see bad laws, we should try to... to see those things get right, but don't become preoccupied to where you leave the place of being a man or a woman of one thing. I don't want to leave my calling as a Mary of Bethany to just become so fixated. I think I, I wrote some little, little cute phrase here. I, don't, I want to gaze more on him than on my news feed, than on the news media. I want to gaze more on him, not on so much on what the latest uh, news media show is about, checking it all the time. Maybe I'm just preaching to me there, but we'll move on. It's not easy to do, but, or easy you know, to, to necessarily do, but we ask God to help us to keep our focus here in the midst of the, of the growing uh, darkness and and strife that's happening. Response number two is to have confidence in God's leadership that he will fulfill his promises for you. The first one is look to God instead of looking to the, to the problems and, and reacting in a, in a fleshly way to the problems. Look to God, but then second, have confidence that God is going to come through for you. And this is really, can be really a challenge when we see 
the things happening. Look at what Micah says. He says, when I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Response number two is to rise up when everything in you says pull back and just kind of become lukewarm and I'm just not going to really go for God much anymore right now because after all, they did this stuff to me. You know, we, we, when, when Micah says, when I fall, I don't believe he's saying when I, you know, he's not saying we lose our salvation. He's saying, when I begin to fall back from wholehearted pursuit of God. And we all know it when that's happening. I was telling the worship team this morning, it's like I had the picture of the, the fishermen when Peter and them had fished all night, hadn't caught anything. Jesus comes up to them and they're washing their nets, meaning they'd quit fishing. They, weren't, they didn't think they were going to catch any fish. They'd given up. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes as a Christian, we can go to a Christian setting, we can go to church, and on the outside we're, oh, Lord, but inside we're washing our nets. We're not, we're, we've fallen. And whether it's a big I don't want to say big because all sin is sin. But whether it's a major scandal type sin or just as damaging, a bitterness or an offense or self-pity, either one, the Lord says you can rise up from that. And we see it all the time. You hear Christians say, well, I'm just kind of burned out right now. Well, really what what they're saying is I'm in self-pity right now. I've been mistreated, and I didn't, you know, didn't like what happened there. They were mean to me, these kind of things, and, and so I just, I'm just burned out. No, what it is is self-pity. What it is is not having confidence that God's going to bring his light to you. So when, when I fall, I will arise. That's our response. Have confidence that the Lord will come to you, that he will answer your prayers, that he will fulfill his promises. Notice Micah says, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Here's where so many times we, the, the, we are tempted to draw back is when, you know, I'll just kind of act, you know, I'm not saying turn out the lights, but we just feel it, man, we're just in total darkness where God was speaking, man, at that conference or few weeks ago, I was really reading my Bible, and, but I'm sitting in darkness right now. Lord, I've been asking you for guidance, and you're not giving me anything. Lord, speak. It's like there's a book called When God is on Mute, and it's like we feel like that sometimes. You know, God, what's my next step? I've been in transition, and you haven't been speaking. You, please turn off the mute button. I, I want to hear you. That's what I believe Mike is describing. When I sit in darkness, when I feel like I'm in a fog, wait a minute, I can trust you, Lord. I can trust your leadership. I can trust that you're going to bring me the light I need to go forward in this. I don't understand what these next steps are, but I know you do, and I know this hasn't taken you by surprise. When I sit in darkness, I will arise. I will trust that his light will come to me, that he will speak to me. 
that I don't have to just stay stuck in that area. You know, it's it just do not. I don't know how to encourage it even any stronger in my heart. But you, each of you has a destiny in God. You have a calling in God. You have an assignment from God. You have a stewardship in God. Don't throw it all away because some leader or some group of leaders mistreated you and, got, and were mean to you. Don't throw it away. Don't, just because, you know, they didn't let you play in their reindeer games, you know? You're like, don't be like poor Rudolph. Oh, they didn't let me in their games. Rise up. The Lord will come to you. He will bring light. He will bring revelation. He can be trusted. I tell you what, I'm delighting. And I daily, I say, Lord, help me with this. I delight in your leadership. And in this time delay of not getting direction, I know you're coming through. I know your light will come. Look at these verses. I felt led to put these in your notes. Um, it's on the back side. Act Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. So this is when you're sitting in darkness. Do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. A righteous man falls seven times and rises again. I believe the Lord will help us with this. Response three, worship team, if you can make your, start to make your way up here. So the first one is to look to the Lord. The second response is to have confidence in the Lord's leadership. The third is to worship God for his unique kindness. The notes there, Micah says this, who is a God like you? Verse 18, who's a God like you? Pardoning iniquity because you delight in mercy. There's no God like him who so abundantly pardons me in my mercy, in his mercy. See what happens when mistreatment comes or time delays occur, our hearts can get really filled with junk. And we need to replace that bitterness, that negativity, that, that those setbacks. We need to replace that with an awe and a, a overwhelming gratitude of how good God and how kind God has been to me. So I'm not preoccupied with that mistreatment. I'm preoccupied with how awesome you are. You are so good. You are so, so good to me. That's how I want to live my life. I want to walk around. Yes. yes. 
I want to walk. I talk with my hands. I want to walk around with that bubbling out of me instead of. I don't want. I want. Oh, he's so good. I'm in awe of his mercy for me. You know, the, the slate of my heart. My heart is like a slate. And I've got this. I've got all these sins. And actually, there's way more, obviously. But I've done these. I've had pride. I've had unbelief, addiction, lust, and on and on and on. And Lord, you've been so merciful to me. You've been so kind. You've pardoned me. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to wipe the slate clean because of the blood of Jesus. You see, he has given us a blank slate between us and him. And and I don't ever want us to lose that wonder of being forgiven of mountains of sins and offenses. And so when somebody mistreats me, when somebody mistreats me, I start to mark it in my heart. I go, uh, look at them. They were, I think I wrote something. Yeah, I go, they spoke evil of me. They ignored me. They overlooked me. They took what was mine. They gossiped about me. They slandered about me. They disrespected me. They broke my stuff and they didn't say they were sorry. They didn't give me that ministry position. And then what you do is you go into that setting when you see them again and all this stuff is in your heart toward them. And you're like, You're not going to them with a blank slate, even though God's cleaned your slate. And so the response is not only for us to walk in gratitude, oh, you've cleansed me, you've forgiven me. The response is now to extend blank slates to everyone we see, to family members, members of the body of Christ, to people, you coworkers, ones you work with, is you say, Lord, I don't want, I want to align with your heart during mistreatment. So Lord, I'm going to wipe it clean. Now, does that mean you just let them run all over you? No, you just, you're, you're saying, oh, I think I just ruined this board. Uh-oh. This was actually going to be thrown, this wasn't one being used. Whoever I, if I did this wrong, I forgive, I will forgive them. I'll be forgiven. But you say, Lord, I'll make it like this. This is blank. You're like, Lord, I don't want to carry this in my heart. I want to align with you. You said 70 times seven, forgive. I want to walk like that. And so I I just encourage us as we come to this time, as, as mistreatment, as mistreatment continues, I'm after this, y'all. I'm after it. I don't, I don't want to 
to head to any kind of meeting with a bunch of junk on the plate. I wanna, I wanna have blank slates. I'm gonna meet with Todd and, you know, he didn't like what I was wearing, you know. I wanna have a blank slate. If you, you know, I wanna give that out. When you go to people, is everything clean in your heart toward them? It doesn't mean you just excuse everything, but it just means as far as it depends on you, you be on good terms with all people. It's all clear. It's clean. Let's stand up if you want to. Lord, it's serious. Serious days and exciting days. Lord, would you make us bold to stand up for the gospel? And when mistreatment comes because of the gospel, may we have blank slates. May we keep short accounts. First Corinthians says, love doesn't keep a score of wrongs. So even right now, just where you are, if there's something on your slate between you and God, 1 John 1, 9 says, confess it before him and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So just do that right now if you would. This is real, real important right now. Not to, we're not just closing a service. You're saying, is my heart right before God? Is there sin that I haven't repented of? It may be something you've buried for a long time. It may be something you've tried to ignore, saying, oh, that's not really sin. Well, the Lord sees your slate. And the Holy Spirit can convict you and say, no, that thing you've been trying to say is not a big deal. Get rid of it. Now, if you have someone, if there's someone in your life that you don't have a blank slate toward, you see, going to them with a blank slate, going to them with a pure heart and with a heart that has forgiven and settled things, it may not make everything right between you and them. And you're, you're not, in fact, what God's going to do, I believe, in many cases is when we carry blank slates, you free God up to mark people's hearts with his love because you're demonstrating the love of Jesus. And a soft answer turns away wrath and blessed are the peacemakers. So when you go with blank slates, you let God move. Scripture says, as far as it depends on us, Live peaceably with all men. I think that's a verse saying, walk with blank slates. Everyone we meet this week, everyone we encounter, thank you, Lord, for a stack of clean slates to go out into our day with.
Now, if you here today feel like Micah did and you feel like you've been sitting in darkness and you want strength to rise up and keep pressing in, you feel like the darkness has, has caused you to just kind of to go from all out for God to, you know, I'm just kind of going through some of the motions. I'm, I'm there, but I'm not really, I'm not really fully engaged in, in God. And you, you, you're, it's because you, you're saying, God, I want the information more than I want you now. I want you, but Lord, I, I'd rather you just speak to me. And you're saying, no, Lord, I, I want, I'm going to trust that when you choose to speak, you'll take the mute button off. But I'm not letting up. If you want strength today to press in and keep pressing in, to not be passive, there's a call right now, a response. <clears throat> if there's some... If you want to get rid of all spiritual passivity right now, would you raise your hand right now? If you're, if you're, and I'm not gonna be, I'm not looking around, but keep, keep your hands up. Because there's two ways that I wanna live, either fully fiery for him, or if I've fallen back or drawn back, I'm saying I'm getting up, I'm rising again. And I'm coming back to that. So Father, you hear our cries, even now as hands are raised. Lord, would you get out the lethargy, get out the junk. And give us clean hands and give us pure hearts.